I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? Let it out. I want you to hit me. Trust me. Come on. Come on. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Hit me, baby, one more time. And now, our feature presentation. It's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights because it has hit me one more time. The Nostalgia Reflection Podcast where we look at the things that we loved when we were younger and we ask, is this good? I'm David Luzader and with me on this journey is the one, the only Nick Shermooksness. Nick, hello. Hey, David. How's it going? I'm doing well. How you doing, buddy? I am hanging in in a, in a good way. Okay, good, good. Because that's that's like a, it's like it's it's like the cat poster where the cat's hanging from like a rope or something, uh -huh. and it seems like really bad, but it's also like super cute. I'm somewhere in there. You heard it here first, folks. Nick is somewhere dangling from a power line. Uh, best of luck to you in that venture, my friend. Thank you. Yes, and joining us today, because we have, we have a guest that brings us our topic, and the person who has brought us this topic is a wonderful guest. Been trying to get her on for a bit, and I'm very excited that she is here. It is the one, the only, the Amy Frost from Ake Willow, and so much more. Amy, hello. Hello. I am so excited to be here, and I am so excited to talk about this topic. Oh, me too, for, for so <laughs> many reasons. <laughs> Before we get to that, though, just uh, for people who might foolishly not be aware of Ake Willow, what is that? So uh, Ake Willow is a storytelling podcast uh, that I do. Um, I am the voice of Ake Willow, uh, and it is written by my very good friend, author J.F. Dubow. It's a, we call it cozy horror. Um, <laughs> it's a horror podcast um, about this tiny little town called Ake Willow that is on the border uh, between the U.S. and Canada. And uh, this girl, Miriam, inherits a bakery there. And at first it's this, um, you know, well, I'll, I'll go and, and we'll see what's up. And she finds out that there's a lot more going on in Ake Willow than she had first anticipated. Um, and a lot of it is not great. Mm. Um, so we have, a, we have a lot of fun with that. Um, we have two seasons uh, currently out and season three is in production. Um, so, yeah. Excellent. Yes, we will be having uh, JF on here very soon as well. I Excellent. thought I thought we're getting Amy on here. Let's let's do the pair. Let's do the duo. So exactly, people. That's that a sounds cozy. <laughs> it is. Well, Amy, you this week brought us the Great Muppet Caper. This nineteen. 19th... Yes, Oops, sorry. <laughs> oh no, you're fine. This nineteen eighty one musical comedy film follows Kermit the Frog, Fozzie the Bear, and Gonzo the Great as they travel to England to investigate a jewel theft. Along the way, they meet a cavalcade of other Muppets, and Kermit meets Miss Piggy, who gets framed for another jewel theft. Kermit and the gang find out about an even bigger heist and stop it in a way only the Muppets can. This delightful little film, uh, Amy. Why did you decide to bring it here? So I knew I wanted to do Muppets, uh, largely because, you know, like you hadn't, you guys hadn't done Muppets yet. So like, okay, I'm going to get in. I'm going to do Muppets. And so but I've got a lot of options because um, I, I grew up in a Muppet household. Uh, oh, were your parents Muppets? My, <laughs> I was going to ask. Right? I mean, <laughs> Everyone no, was so my, uh, 
my uh, my grandfather had made us a big life-size wooden big bird that was out in our backyard, like with our swing set and our playhouse. And my mom wound up making all of the other ones. And then she used to put them out front for Christmas with like their little Santa hats and scarves with all the Christmas lights. And we were like the Muppet house. <laughs> um, and then one year, some of the Muppets got stolen by some teenagers Whoa, as part of a uh, scavenger hunt. And basically, like, these kids showed up with the Muppets and all of the other kids that were there were like, no, man, you got to take those back. <laughs> so, like, Muppets in my blood. Um, and then the the other part of it is um, I, I, I get to talk about weird tech that no one knows about. Because I had this movie on RCA video disc. What? Now, every time I say video disc, people go, oh, yeah, no, laser disc. No, 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 no. This is video disc. This is a movie on a record, like an actual vinyl record with a needle. And it had like a plastic cover and you had to like put it in and then the cover would spit out. And then you have to halfway through the movie, flip it over to get the rest of the movie. And huh. no one knows about this tech. Like I still have the plastic, like I still have the record with this movie on it. Well, uh, Amy, thanks for being here. It's weird. Do you want to come on here just to flex about your I mean... record movie <laughs> technology? It's weird. Uh, no, that, that's really interesting. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Like, and, and of course, because I grew up with it, right? I like assumed that everybody knew what it was. Right. And it turns out no one does. No. Um, I've definitely seen the letters R, C, and A in <laughs> an alphabet lineup, not yeah. usually together, but, you know, I feel like <laughs> I relate, is what I'm trying to say. So when I, like, I thought about doing the Muppet movie, but I feel like, the Muppet movie is a lot more part of the pop culture. Hmm. Um, whereas I think fewer people have seen this movie. Um, and it came out the year I was born. So figured why not? Well, there you go. Uh, and the box office numbers would support uh, your theory. <laughs> exactly. Now, <laughs> Nick, uh, you're a Muppet, some might say. So uh, what's your history with the great Muppet caper? So it, it, watching it, I felt like I had never seen it before, but um, I definitely was into Muppets when I was younger. I mean, I remember the other Muppet movies. I, I Yeah, I watched Muppets. I totally know Muppets, guys. Um, but yeah, I really, I could not remember this one. And it's like, in my head, I'm like closing my eyes and visualizing my cabinet of, you know, they're not RCAs, but they are VHS. And I swear the Great Muppet Caper was one of the VHS tapes that I had on my shelf, along with Treasure Island, which I was a big fan of. Uh -huh. um, and did they do a Sherlock Holmes one? I can't remember. No. I don't think so. Okay, maybe I'm just saying I'm the Great Mouse Detective. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, so definitely a history of the Muppets, a love of the Muppets. I don't know how you cannot love the Muppets. If anything, listening to your story, Amy, about the kids stealing the statues and then being like, no, you got to bring that oh, back. Yeah. Like Muppets yeah. are so wholesome that like it even causes hooligans to want to be better people. So... <laughs> um. So love the Muppets, and I really did enjoy watching this film. But like I said, as far as I can remember, I, I, I maybe I saw it before, but apparently it didn't stick with me. I, I get that because I think I'm sort of in the same place where there were scenes of this movie I was watching. I was like, oh yes, of course, I remember this scene. I remember the the scene in the 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 dinner the supper club, 
And um, I remember the Miss Piggy riding a motorcycle, which is very mm-hmm. clearly uh, somebody in a Miss Piggy costume riding a motorcycle. <laughs> But in general, this is one that I had missed, which is odd because I love the Muppets. I know we're all saying that, but at the same time, like there's a lot of stuff in this world that I like, but I love the Muppets. Uh, they are one of my favorite things in the world. So the fact that I, I hadn't seen this movie in its entirety, possibly since like childhood, because you know, in the last decade or so, I would say like I've watched a bunch of the Muppet movies uh, again for various reasons, because why not? And uh, the fact this one may have totally set off my radar was a bummer. So I'm very excited that we watched it and now get a chance to talk about it here. Before we get into our discussion, though, we're going to learn a little bit more about just, just the general history of the Great Muppet Caper. Nick, you mind telling us about that? I do not mind. Uh, with the Muppet Show winding down, Jim Henson had set his sights on making the second Muppet movie. He knew he wanted to make an homage to early movie musicals, but was having problems with the story. Uh, He worked with two separate teams of writers to complete the script, with the final product being an amalgamation of the work. He also had a problem thinking... Uh, uh, listen, it's it's late where I am, <laughs> and asked family and friends for suggestions with Lisa Henson giving him the winning title. If you've forgotten now, it's The Great Muppet Caper. Uh, filming began in September of 1980 with the Miss Piggy water ballet proving the most difficult sequence to shoot. Uh, filming wrapped in January of 1981, and the film released on June 26, 1981. The Great Muppet Caper received generally good reviews, but it failed to perform as well as expected, making about half of the previous film's box office, and is the fifth highest gross grossing Muppet film to date. Boom. Well, you got through that, which, uh, and the way that you did makes me excited for the rest of this episode. Uh, <laughs> let's see what other verbal tics Nick can develop along the road. But the Great Muppet Caper, let's talk about it. Let's just, let's talk about that opening sequence, because I, I really, I really uh, loved the opening credits of this movie, which is Fozzie, uh, Kermit, and Gonzo riding through the, the hot air balloon as the credits, because the opening credits start. Uh, and just right away, just right away, there are so many jokes about this being a movie. They never let you forget for one second no. that this is a movie. Um. I I love them like because they they provide commentary on on the credits. Like at one point, Fozzie asks what BSC stands for. I don't know. Um, it's the British Society of Cinematographers. I, oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, you ruined it. I feel like okay. it was more magical and done. <laughs> Sorry. And um, <laughs> yeah, and and the whole Fozzie being like, nobody reads those names anyway, do they? Sure, they all have families. Yeah, they all have families. And that was a big thing because both of my parents worked in television. And so we were always forced as children, like when we went to the movies, you had to sit and watch all of the credits because all of these people are important. And so that spoke to me <laughs> as a kid. I was like, yeah, no, I know. We got it. We got to watch the credits. It's cool. Yeah, I, I was convinced that movies were made by robots. But them saying that helped me reflect and realize that actual people that need to eat helped make this thing. <laughs> also, probably robots, maybe. I don't know about 1981. No, probably robots in 1981. Uh, wait, wait, was there was a robot in one of the Muppet? I know there's a a robot in the in the 2011 Muppet film. Um, I can't remember if there was one in the the one previous to this or not. Anyway, there are robot Muppets. Um, does that count as a Muppet? Okay, we're not getting into that. (laughs) 
Uh, I, and, I'll, and I'll say that watching the opening, like I, I think I had read like the little description or something about it being about like a heist or something in London. And I think that's why I was thinking of um, Sherlock Holmes. Oh, great um, so when I when I get to the opening credits and then suddenly they're in like this musical dance off in somewhere in New York City, I'm like, wait did I put on the wrong movie? <laughs> uh, which I was enjoying in any way. So eventually I found out that it was in fact the right movie, but it, I, it was definitely a, an interesting introduction. Yeah. They land there. Well, land, I guess is a, a loose term. It's generous. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's generous for what happened. <laughs> Actually, that uh, was something that uh, I, I guess uh, it crashed because they, the way they filmed that was with like a remote control, hot air balloon and helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, at one point, the hot air balloon like fell to, like a little bit too fast, um, and they uh, Fozzie the bear uh, got caught on fire briefly. So <laughs> they, they, I, I, that's one thing I don't you don't ever really think about with the Muppets is like there's probably multiples of these. Oh, there's tons because they're all made from foam rubber, and foam rubber is not designed to last. No. Um, it breaks down pretty quickly. Um, I remember seeing when they put out the new Dark Crystal, they did sort of a retrospective on the old one. And so like some of those are still around and they are terrifying mm -hmm. because they they just like they look like zombie versions of themselves because they're literally rotting away. Yeah. But yeah, they've got a bunch of them, especially because um, between the last movie and this one, you know, Jim Henson was really trying to push the envelope. I mean, because you have to remember, like, these are puppets. <laughs> and um so like the bicycle riding and all of that that was like pretty serious tech especially for the time so yeah you've got like a whole bunch of them yeah what i really want is now like the muppets zombie movie if we have all these old puppets sitting around <laughs> that are degraded then like like where's my muppets the walking oh, dead they're not they're not sitting around they probably got either repurposed or you know broken beyond repair and destroyed um i will post... let me dream let me dream okay That's... yeah no you I... can you can have this yeah thank you i will post on our uh twitter i i went to the jim henson exhibit in um I forget the the name of the museum in uh, New York. It's a great exhibit if you get a chance to go. I think it's the Museum of Moving Picture, and they have a whole Jim Henson area, and they have some of these old original puppets. Um, of course, they're like you know in low light, mm -hmm. temperature controlled chambers, but it's it's really interesting to to see them because even with the ones that have been well preserved, there is still a little bit of age to them, and uh, and you also don't realize how many iterations they've gone through. Like, go back and look up what original Kermit looked like. No. Made out of one of Jim Henson's mother's coats. Yes. What? Yep. Yeah. They they go through a lot of evolutions. And even in the last you know few decades, if you look at it, Kermit, he'll look a little bit different than the Kermit that appeared in this film um, in his various ways. But oh, God. Let's... <laughs> let's... Sorry. Sorry. Carry, carry <laughs> Let's talk about the Fozzie and Kermit are twins. Twins gag, which it's very good. It's it's very good, but it it becomes very good when they show the the frightening picture of their father, <laughs> the green Fozzie. I and and they do a good job because they play up the twin thing a lot at the beginning of the movie. Uh, gee, Mr. Tarkanian, when we thought identical twins working on a newspaper would make an interesting story. Yeah. Well, it doesn't. 
Especially since you two guys don't look anything alike. Uh, well, that, that's because Fozzie's not wearing his hat. And then they do a pretty, they do a really good job of doing callbacks to it. Um, like when Kermit's getting ready to go out on his date with Miss Piggy and they're looking in the mirror and Fozzie goes, which one are you? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one on the right. Um, and the um, when Kermit's in the park and he's sitting on the bench, um, and a, a, a man who I'm sure is someone I couldn't find who he was, but a man and a little girl walk by. And she's like, look, a bear. And he goes, no, bears wear hats. That's a frog. (laughs) That's so good. It's such a weird, like, I feel like that's something that, like, got into their heads. And they were like, yep, we're doing this. We're making this happen. Yeah. This is funny enough. And I appreciate, like you said, they do it a bunch sort of at the beginning to establish the joke. And then they back off on it enough that when they start making the callbacks to it, it's really funny. Yeah, um, cuz like 20 minutes will go by and then someone yeah, do like the hat line or like I'm the you know, I'm the one on the right. Um because it, if they just if they hammered that point to I mean that's that's kind of I, I think sort of the the genius of the Muppets is that they have typically really good comedic writing teams behind them. You know, they seem like oh, they're they're just these family like you know, the, I think people equate them so much with Sesame Street level of uh which I'm not saying Sesame Street's not well written. Sesame Street has some very well-written parts, but, you know, it's it's a program aimed at children where the Muppets were always so much more aimed at families, and they very generously included the adults in that. They, they... I mean, the Muppet show was straight up for adults. Yes. Like, the Muppet show was never for children. So this is like, and that's one of those things, right, is because I, I mean, I watched this all the time when I was a kid, so I... I did go back and watch them when they all came out on DVD again. I got them and I like watched through all of them. Um, But that was still probably 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So I haven't watched this movie on the regular in like 30 years. Um, So there's some of the lines that come in and and I just like I remember rewatching it the first time as an adult. And the part where Miss Piggy is is talking to Lady Holiday. Lady Holiday is going on and on about her brother and the diamonds and the business and oh he lost his inheritance. And she says, why are you telling me all this? And she says, why are you telling me all this? It's plot exposition. It has to go somewhere. Anyway. Uh, and the yes, first time I, like I watched that. this as an adult, I was like, oh, no. How, I did. Oh. And there's a lot that just flies over your head as a child. Yeah. I have that line in my notes because <laughs> that was the funniest moment. Because not like, like you said, they always remind you that this is a, a movie, but then they also uh, sometimes they'll do that directly where they'll, where they'll stop and they'll talk to the camera. Um, but then they'll have those great lines like that, where it's just like, you know, for storytelling purposes, we're doing this here. Or the bit where Kermit and Piggy are, are having a conversation and Kermit just starts directing her. Piggy! Piggy, you're overacting. What? You're overacting. You're hamming it up. I am not. I am trying to save this movie. Oh, yeah? We'll save your performance instead. And Uh, she melts down. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I like in Lady Holiday's sort of tirade about Nicky, her brother, and, and you know, how terrible he is. She calls him an irresponsible parasite. And so there's one scene where they're kind of going through the offices, like when Kermit and Fozzie and Gonzo show up there and they're going through the offices and a delivery guy has stopped by Nikki's office to ask if he's ordered a gross of flowered socks. 
and on the door to his office, it says Nikki Irresponsible Parasite. Oh, I missed that one. <laughs> it's real good. I, I hadn't like I definitely hadn't noticed it ever before. And I've probably seen this movie a hundred times. But because I was looking for it, you know, because I was looking for I was like, wait a minute, it says things on his door. <laughs> oh no. Now, Irresponsible Parasite. Now, Nick, you had a particular reaction to the character of Nikki. Uh, do you mind sharing that with the with the audience? Yeah, I was I was just thinking of that, and that is that I saw a lot of myself in Nikki, not personality wise. Are you in the, love with? On, because you're in love with Miss Piggy. Um, she was my first crush. Um, As she but, should um, be. She honestly, I'm looking back, she may have been. <laughs> I mean, man, anyway. these Robin Hoods, so don't feel too bad about it. It's cool. <laughs> and um, no, but so actually, I uh, I saw, I thought I looked like, or Nikki looked like me. Whoever came, he came first, um, like we looked like each other. Um, and only because it's funny because when I was in high or high, late high school, early college, I would rock sideburns. So just like seeing his kind of mop head <laughs> and sideburns, I was like, oh crap, it's me and I'm the villain. And his name is Nikki, which I haven't been called in years other than one of my brothers who he's scary enough that I'll let him call me that forever. <laughs> Um, That's fair. But anyway, I just thought that was that was funny. So then I googled pictures of what the actor um, I don't have his name Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin. I I looked him up for what he looks like now, and I'm like, "That's me in 40 years." When you so. when you texted me that you are Nikki, I was like, "No, not really," because I was I was also watching it at the time. Um, but then I was like, "Oh, I guess the sideburns." So yes, <laughs> in the hair department. You too. No, but like similar. If you if you look at like his side profile again, and then compare it to my side profile high school yearbook photo, yeah, never mind. Um, <laughs> like very very similar chins, I think. No, I'll have to do that later because obviously I have um, pictures of you in high school. Boy, that sounded weird. Why did I say that? <laughs> let's <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Um, let's talk about speaking uh, of Nikki. Let's talk about Miss Piggy because Nikki has an infatuation uh, with Miss Piggy, and I think that Miss Piggy deserves. Uh, if she were here, she would demand that we talk only about her because uh, she is, as far as I'm concerned, one of the greatest characters um, of American cinema. Yeah, absolutely. Um, her introduction in this movie is amazing uh, because Lady Holiday is going around looking at all of her fashion models and talking about how they all look like animals, like you look like an ostrich. And I don't know that that frilled pigeon is really the look we should be going for. And the frills on a turkey's neck. And then she sits down and Miss Piggy, in the greatest entrance, honestly, the greatest entrance this side of a crashing hot air balloon. <laughs> Um, she does her like up against the door frame pose, which I'm not saying I've never done that when entering a room and it's not the fault of this film, but here we are. But that's how we should all be entering rooms. I mean, uh, is what you're saying. everything I learned about being suave, I learned from Miss Piggy. So, <laughs> I mean, it works for her. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah, I mean, she gets successful. not one, but two guys in this film. She's clearly doing something right. Uh, and um, yeah, she is. Yeah, so Diana Rigg has just talked about how all of her girls look like barnyard animals, and then Miss Piggy shows up saying that she wants to be a famous fashion model. And Lady Hunt is just like, yeah, that seems to be how things are going. <laughs> she also has some of my favorite lines towards the end of the movie, 
that I, I really love. Um, well, first of all, the the sequence when uh, she's doing the the water ballet, which I want to talk about that in a moment. Yeah. But she uh, envisions both Mickey and Kermit singing, mm-hmm. uh, and Mickey Mickey's voice is very obviously dubbed, uh, but Kermit is still Kermit because of, of course he is. Uh, but later, when she when she gets arrested as a result of of all of this, and uh, <laughs> the, the, when the prison guard comes to her and is like, your lawyer is here. And she's like, I don't have a lawyer. It's like, sure you do, a little green guy. Kirby! Oh, no wonder he hasn't come back to see me. He had to finish law school. <laughs> it's such, and then she has some lines. I can't remember when she's talking to uh, Kermit um, where it's it's all about, oh, yeah, where Kermit's like, it's been 45 minutes. Time goes slow in the cooler. Her whole it's- prison personality is just brilliant it's so good and then she like bends the bars to escape because yes because why wouldn't she Um, my favorite miss piggy part is when she's pretending to be lady holiday and you know so kermit's like oh well you know like they're gonna go out to dinner and says oh where do you live i'll pick you up and she's like um yes I don't know, like some highbrow street somewhere. Yes, that's exactly it. Highbrow street. How did you know? Now, guess what number? Uh, 17. Yeah, 17 highbrow. That's it. And then she breaks into John Cleese's house. (laughs) And so that's the, the, so it's John Cleese and the, the woman he's with, I forget her name, but she played one of the, um, one of the old ladies that lives at Faulty Towers. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Joan Um, Sanderson is her name. Yeah, Joan Sanderson. Um, yeah, and I had definitely never paid attention to the people in that scene before when she's sneaking around in their house, but that's some quality dialogue. It's, and it's so like, good. It's so good. Like she's talking about how she's never, like she hasn't left the house. Like they talk about the weather for like five minutes. They're just going back and forth about how the weather's been disappointing. And then it like escalates into the point where she's like, well, I haven't been out in 12 years. And he goes, well, but the weather's been very disappointing. <laughs> they, <laughs> I mean, uh, given current circumstances, I understand this feeling. Right. Like, yeah. We all, we all feel like the two of them. Uh, yep. I, I especially liked when, um, so she brings Kermit in uh, to the house, which she answers the door and they're right there and they're just like, mm, oh, okay. And then John Cleese follows them around the house as she's giving Kermit a very speedy tour. Because and when he like, finds them, we have a tour. <laughs> she's, <laughs> okay. she's like, uh, all right. And when he finds them in the closet, he's he's just kind of like, can I help you with something? And she's like, uh, recommend a place to eat. And he just go. John Cleese just goes with it. Oh well, check out. Um, I forget the name of the restaurant. Oh, but the it's Dubonet. not a restaurant. It's more of a supper club <laughs> a club it's more of a supper club <laughs> and then they leave and it's just like well i just gave a, a pig uh, instructions on where to have dinner at a restaurant well again it's more and then the wife says it's more of a supper, of a club, supper again. club they are I'm, I'm gonna say that now when i go out with my partner it's just gonna be like <laughs> what supper club are we gonna dine at tonight they are so great in in the movie, and the they very wisely let them have you know five minutes of dialogue while Miss Piggy is hilariously crawling up the house and, and but you don't you know it doesn't really focus on that it is letting that happen kind of in the background of this droll dialogue where all you have is John Cleese occasionally commenting on like there's a pig climbing upside the house and <laughs> and then she doesn't uh, his wife doesn't comment on it for like a good another couple of minutes and she's like did you say there was a a pig climbing up the house I think I did yeah <laughs> yes 
but <laughs> this movie, um, Amy, I believe that you pointed this out in in our show notes here that the Muppet movie relied heavily on cameos. You know, you've got uh, you've got Steve Martin, you've got Orson Welles. Uh, so I so I did I binged that I like I binged a bunch of Muppets to get ready for this so I did watch that one first and so like you know Steve Martin I remember that like I I remembered most of those like it's every minute there's like another yeah. person right like it starts with what it's Dom DeLuise right starting at the beginning oh, I believe it is yeah and so it's like hit after hit and then when it got to the end and it was Orson Welles I'm like I don't. I definitely don't remember it being Orson Welles. It's super weird that it's Orson Welles. <laughs> Wait, which one was Orson Welles? Not not it was in this basically movie. The, in... Not in this movie. In in the in the Muppet movie at the very oh. end when they like are getting their movie deal, the director is Orson Welles, and I was like, "That's that's big." It, <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, very bizarre. But this movie does not have as many, you know, it has John Cleese, as we mentioned, and it has a couple of other uh, cameos, but not really any that I recognized. Um, Columbo was the, uh, was the guy, the tramp that shows up at the, uh, at the park when Kermit's sitting there and tells him the whole story about how his, his brother, how he and his brother-in-law, I know your whole story. You and your brother-in-law bought a dry cleaner and then this other dry cleaner. And it just goes on. Uh, excuse me, and sir. We're trying to film a movie. We're trying to make a movie? Oh, sorry. Um, you want to buy a watch? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Charles Grodin and Diana Rigg are big. Um, yeah. There's a couple others that like um, um, the the old guy that's that's sitting on the bench when they land in England in the pond. Um, Robert Morley. Yeah. Like he's, he's someone. And like, so basically, you know, like because you're watching a Muppet movie, because you watched the old Muppet movie, as soon as you get somebody like that, you're like, well, that's somebody. Right. If they, if they interact with the Muppets for an extended period of time. Yeah. It is. You're like, well, that's somebody. Yeah. I may not know who they are, but. I think, and this isn't a, um, uh, and what am I trying to say? This isn't like against the, the puppeteers who obviously did an incredibly exceptional job. But one of like my thoughts as I was watching, especially in the Miss Piggy scene, um, the the water theatric scene, uh, was just like you have all these talented humans like doing all this like serious performance, and then all of a sudden you got Miss Piggy just like swimming through the middle of them. And just all these incidences where like people have to play it straight, even though it's meant to be funny. And there's just there's just something really interesting about that, I thought. That is where that is why the Muppets work is because they are not uh, puppets. They are, as far as the movie is concerned, they are actors that are starring in this. And yeah, they're a bit cartoonish. Um, but there's a quote from Michael Caine when they were filming uh, the uh, Muppet um, Christmas Carol which is still in my mind the definitive version of that movie on screen. Correct. Uh, where he went to the director and was like, you know, I'm not going to do anything Muppety. I'm going to play it very straight. You know, I'm going to I'm going to play Ebenezer Scrooge as if, you know, I was on stage, basically. And uh, the director was like, perfect. That is exactly that's, that's what we want. <laughs> yeah, that's what needs to happen. Um, because even, you know, Nikki, who is a, a ridiculous character, the fact that he is treating Miss Piggy as a legitimate love interest is what really, you know, and he, and he doesn't make it super like, I'm in love with a pig. Isn't that weird? It is like what makes the whole bit work. Right. 
part, there is the part in the dressing room before the uh, fashion show where he's like, oh, you're just so different from other women. I'm just tired of these tall, thin, long legs with their aquiline noses. And she's like, yeah, I, I could see how you could get sick of that. <laughs> oh, an another brief cameo that we have to mention is, of course, Oscar the Grouch. Um, yes. The always great Oscar the Grouch with uh, with another with another actor, um, Peter Ustinov, who I, I don't know, but is a... I think he was Poirot, right? Is that the one that was Poirot? One of the people that was in this um, was Poirot, which is how I knew him. But yeah, yeah, lands in there, lands in the garbage, and he says... What's all the racket? What are you doing here? A very brief cameo. Me too. <laughs> oh. Uh, we've, I, I said we we're going to come back to it, and then we skipped over it. Nick, you reminded me of the the water ballet, which is uh, which apparently took like a, a whole week to film and was a was a whole, a whole lot of issues, as any I imagine aquatic stunt with puppets would be. Uh, but is mm -hmm. a is a great sequence. Would you? Would and you the, the amount of detail too, right? Because there's like the scene, like because this is all like the Esther Williams, Busby Berkeley musicals. You know, mm -hmm. like this is old Hollywood, and. The fact that they have the scene of Miss Piggy where she's swimming and the bubbles are coming out of her nose, which was like a thing. Like, yes. that's a thing that they did in these movies. And it's like, like, that's some attention to detail and can't have been easy. No, no. Uh, yeah, Frank Oz talks about it in a few places where it was, you know, he was underwater for a whole week with a scuba team. Uh, basically keeping him alive while he and I and that's another thing that I love about the dedication of these puppeteers is like he didn't have to be you know they could have not okay I don't think they could have but they could have gone the safe route and uh, been like all right we're gonna have a trained scuba professional just do the couple Miss Piggy bits underline but it's like no it has to be Frank Oz yeah he is Miss Piggy yep he is Miss Piggy <laughs> he is i believe i uh well i'm not i know there's a new muppet show on uh on disney plus that i haven't yep, watched too much of. i haven't watched it yet but i th i feel like frank oz is one of the few that is still doing the voice i don't know that he is anymore i know he was at least i think with the new batch of movies i think he retired yes okay you are you're right he actually okay no he hasn't done it in many many years wow way to go david uh there was that i mean many many years but there was a big gap where there was literally nothing that's this uh, is true but he, he hasn't done it since 2002 oh uh, so you say that date and i go that wasn't that long ago no I know. it definitely was i know right uh, what also i love about the because i'm on the miss miss piggy wikipedia page um which is incredibly extensive Mm -hmm. um, but I I love in universe information significant other Kermit the Frog nineteen seventy six twenty fifteen on and off since. That's True. just it's beautiful. Sorry, I got I got lost in the Miss Piggy Wikipedia page, as I'm sure happens to all of us. To everyone, yeah. Uh, another great little bit of homage to old Hollywood is the uh, when Kermit is getting ready and he does his little like dance number and uh, he's, he's dancing around with the coat rack and the then he dances in his shadow dances yep. separately that took 47 takes that it was the that's the shot that took the most takes in the entire movie even more so than the water theatrics 
I mean, that has, that has, I mean, that takes time, but it's a lot. And that's a lot longer too. Like that's a whole song. Yeah. Right. That took like a whole week to film, but I don't think they had to do the shots. (laughs) I don't think they could afford to do the shots 47 (laughs) times. Right. Right. Can you imagine how much waterlogged Miss Piggy must weigh? Oof. (laughs) Oof. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about that while watching it. Like that's one of those ones. Either that or the foam wants to float. Right. Either way, it's not pleasant to do. No, no. Uh, but this movie, from a technical standpoint, does a lot of really interesting things, like all the underwater stuff. They talk about like the bubbles and you know her swimming and her legs kicking. And I joked about um, the the Miss Piggy costume, which they also use in this sequence. Uh, but then there's the the biking scene, which is just impressive. Mm-hmm. They had to, they like, there's a lot of different tricks. Sometimes it's like radio controlled. Sometimes they're connected by metal bars and people are are leading them in front um but it's it, it it's just a delight to watch like these puppets it's like very pinocchio you know i've got no strings to hold me down sort of thing like it's what sells it because you're like oh yeah kermit's real especially when you're coming off of something like the muppet show where it was all very like straight up puppets like it you know they didn't do anything crazy that was a show that relied on on the writing and the and the guests and the repeatability of doing it weekly yeah and so it didn't have you know it didn't have these like crazy technical tricks true i will say though on the on the premise of kermit seeming real and a testament to the personality that they are able to imbue in these puppets you know i i I found Kermit, you know, as always, indelibly charming. At the same time, I, the one thing that I had to remember, because it's been years since I watched anything Muppets, was that, that they all looked dead inside in their eyes. Like, I, I thought for some reason that their eyes were more animated, so to speak. Um, yeah, Scooter's really, eyes like, are Miss... on his glasses. Yes. <laughs> right. right. Um, you know, but like Miss Piggy's, I think her eyes, maybe they change in a couple of different instances, but by and large, like they're basically the same thing. I think Miss Piggy's the only one with eyelids. Th- no, no, Gonzo has eyelids too. Yeah. But, but eyelids are eyelids are rare. I do like the, um, at the end of Happiness Hotel, which is, Happiness Hotel is like one of my most quoted uh bits from this movie like anytime somebody's like moving into my apartment building i'll be like "Ah, somebody's checking in (laughs) and uh so the end of that scene when when gonzo takes the picture with his flashbulb and all of their eyes get like dazed is hilarious to me i think i'm going to steal a bit from from the happiness hotel as well when they're like uh how are you going to be paying? What are our choices? A, credit card. B, cash. C, sneak out in the middle of the night. We'll take C. Very popular choice. I think that's going to now be my preferred when I'm checking into hotels. Yeah. Um, inform me. Very popular very, choice. Very popular choice. Uh, uh, the, the Happiness Hotel is a great, very Muppety set piece. Which yeah, is, I mean, you've got the Electric Mayhem living there, only between gigs, so they've been there for, what, like five, five years? years? Yeah. Um, that's the introduction of Rizzo the Rat, which I had always yeah. associated him with being a newer Muppet. Same. Um, like Muppets from Space knew, because that was the first time that I really remembered Rizzo being serious business. 
Um, but Rizzo is Rizzo's introduced in the Great Muppet Caper. Yeah. Um, and there's the great line: "Is it me, or do the bellhops look like rats?" And <laughs> it says, "You shouldn't wait till you see the chambermaids." Yeah, I didn't realize he got introduced this early either. But uh, you know, he is a prominent character in Muppet Christmas Carol, and um, also Treasure Island, I Tre- think too. Treasure as well. Island, yeah. He he has the great line from Treasure Island: "We're we're in a room with a dead guy." Oh, yeah. Good, good old Rizzo. But yeah, I would have thought too, like Rizzo was a, because those are like 90s movies. So I, yeah, I, those are still like that second batch, right. the post Jim Henson movies. I think that's what surprised me was that I didn't realize this movie came out in 1981 yeah. beforehand. Um, well, and I I just thought Muppets were just more recent than that. So this, also the idea that I was probably watching this maybe in the mid 90s. Uh, for the or at least some of the Muppet stuff, and I'll probably like this stuff was already quote unquote old by the time you know our generation or at least David's and I generation got around to it. Yeah, that's one of those things, right? Where like a difference in age doesn't seem that much until you start talking about stuff from when you were a kid, <laughs> and then it's like this huge gap. Yeah, right. that's that's the timelessness of the Muppets, though, right? Even though you know I said they they change and there's little changes to them, Kermit's collar changes through throughout the decades but there is something that is sort of immutable about them where they are always kind of this cornerstone i think this movie you know if you, if you go watch the original muppet movie as we were talking about earlier you're going to see elliot gould steve martin dom DeLuise, like all these people some of them when they're like really young and it's kind of jarring and that i think places the movie a little bit more in its time this one yeah. i think has the benefit of cameos um, outside of John Cleese, who I forgot was already that old in 1981. Uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of people that you would readily recognize. So I think that kind of helps this movie stick, it, be a little bit timeless, I guess. It's, yeah, you have, the, you have the cars, like especially in that opening musical number when the getaway car pulls up after he after he steals, um, steals the jewels the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, that getaway car is the epitome of late 70s early 90s vehicles yeah it's the, it, the... And he has a vanity plate with his name on it on his getaway car As which i do. think is a bold move we haven't even talked about the caper we <laughs> have not once mentioned the fabulous baseball diamond okay let's yeah let's let's <laughs> talk about the whole the the baseball diamond which is literally a baseball sized rock shaped <laughs> diamond that they do at one point play baseball with and when it's in its display in the museum it is sitting on a, a <laughs> baseball glove which is oh it's so good so but uh, uh before we get to the the actual big heist at the end them trying to sneak into the museum is also an incredibly great bit oh the part where they're where they're cut back and forth between Nikki and the models and their like prep work and then the Muppets sitting in the happiness hotel on the Murphy bed before it slams shut, going through their checklist, and they're all like, you know, pocket laser. Yeah. That nineteen eighty one, what's up? Um and like grappling hook and like they're going down all their checklist and they're like, Yep, and they're like all super professional about it and and Fozzie's like, whoopee cushion. Doc Teeth says, it's in the van. <laughs> like, <laughs> They're ready. They're ready to thwart this heist. They're ready for almost anything. But at least New Zealand has the paper towels. Yeah. Which uh, 
they brought it was like Chekhov's paper towels. You thought they were going to come back. They did for a hot second and uh, <laughs> didn't mean anything. But also the point where they're trying to get in and they're they're doing the whole pizza uh, bit with the guard. <laughs> yeah, it's like who who ordered this? Oh, what's your name? Henderson. Oh yeah, it says right oh, yeah, here. Henderson. Yeah, it says it right here. Can I see that? Oh <laughs> no, this is the wrong one. <laughs> but I don't like pepperoni. Right. Well, you can feed it to the dogs, and then and then uh, Rolf saves the day by uh, being bilingual. It helps to speak to like yes. <laughs> Rolf, oh, I love Rolf, and uh, he's always he's always a little bit underplayed, probably correctly. I think that yeah. his his he works best when he is like a couple of jokes per movie. But his jokes, uh, his song with Kermit in the original Muppet movie, it, it is a great one. One of my favorites. Uh, take yourself um, for a walk. Yeah, have a couple of beers. Take yourself for a walk and go to bed. Good old Rolf. Uh, so they talk about how they want to, they want to, they're going to catch them red-handed and everyone, it's the, it's the, um, it's the heavy tried Harry Krishna from the Muppet movie, but for this movie is the, well, what color are what, their hands yeah, what now? Yeah, co- what color are their hands Which is now? the my dad line. Um, anytime, like, I mean, we've been trained now that you never say the phrase red-handed because he will say, well, what color are their hands now? It's, it's a dad joke, right? It, it is. It is. It 100% is. Uh <laughs> As we're kind of winding down, there's one quote I want to bring up from Roger Ebert, the movie critic, uh, the late great movie critic, that um, I thought was interesting. And I wanted to hear uh, your opinions on it. Um, He said he gave the movie two out of four stars. And he said the lack of a cutting edge hurts this movie. It's too nice, too routine, too predictable, and too safe. Uh, I'm just curious what general thoughts are on that sentiment. I mean, a big part of it is that they're sending up so many of these other kinds of movies. Like, it is the great Hollywood musical, and it's the heist movie, and it's the the Esther Williams movie, and it's all these other things. So, like, yeah, you kind of got to play it, like, otherwise it doesn't work. Like, if you go too far from the, from the original material, you don't get that that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, it's the Muppets, man. Like, how not nice were they gonna be? <laughs> that's... Rough and tumble. Yeah, like... That's true. Kind of the darkest it gets is... Now, we're about to embark on a potentially dangerous mission. There could be physical violence, there could be gunplay, and there's the slightest chance that somebody might even get killed. <laughs> so if anybody wants out, now is the time to say it. And then they all right. bail. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I feel like the, I, I don't know what he was expecting um, <laughs> from the movie. I, I mean, even if, like, um, as I mean, it said, like, this is a family movie, not necessarily just for kids, you know, but I feel like it's one of those things where there was plenty for kids to enjoy. There was some existential angst that all of us people getting older can appreciate. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, I don't, it feels like he was watching it for a different audience that, that that it just wasn't for. Yeah. Yeah. I I get that. I, I think I see f- from a far distance what he's saying, but I agree also with the two of you where it is like, it's the Muppets and it's, it's the Muppets doing what they do. And, you know, maybe, maybe sometimes the Muppets can feel a little bit safe. You know, they have like, they have kind of their routine, but there's also, they do what they do better than anybody else you know they are i mean 
like they still took an awful lot of risks like you said like there's the bicycle and there's the costume which like it's weird like it's a little weird right like now we've got somebody in a muppet costume but that's still pretty cutting edge and like it is really well done yeah considering um and you've got muppets underwater and like i don't exactly think that's safe like that's a lot of that's a lot of technical risks yeah yeah yeah, I think from a story standpoint, it's safe, but it's also, again, it's the Muppets. It's like pizza. It's like even when I'm like, when I get, go to a party and I see, well, remember parties in the before times? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I see like a pizza from a place that I don't particularly love. I'm like, ah, eh, well, it's still pizza. You know, I'm still yeah, going to exactly. enjoy that. Like, pizza. how bad is it really going to be? But I don't like pepperoni. <laughs> I don't feed them to the dog. Great callback. Uh, is there anything else before we? do our final judgment of the great Muppet Keeper that anybody wants to bring up? It's it's my one favorite Gonzo line that we didn't talk about. Um, with, they're trying to hail a cab and no oh. one will stop. And so Gonzo just throws himself bodily in front of a cab. And perfect. I, I forget if it's Fozzie or Kermit, but one of them says, well, that's effective. And Gonzo just looks up and goes, yeah, it's great when it works. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. Gonzo has been run over by cabs. I think I, that is what we're all getting here. I love Gonzo. He's so and good. I, and I always enjoy when the two old men show up and start heckling people. And oh, yeah. I can't remember if, if they were there at the fashion. Yeah, Stab and Waldorf, they're, they're every, and the, the very end when they're like, well, all's well that ends well. Oh, as long as it ends. Yes. <laughs> And then at the fashion show, the, the, as the models are coming out, they're like, oh boy, we better synchronize our pacemakers. <laughs> oh, and one of them falls great. asleep before the swimwear. He's <laughs> like, all right, here come the bikini girls. <laughs> Classic. Statler and Waldorf, love them. They were the, the trolls before trolling, you know, became as toxic as can it you, is today. Can you imagine them on like an internet form? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I could. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There was a great couple of uh, videos they made um, uh, 10 years ago. I, I was watching these the other day. And when I realized they were 10 years ago, um, I I was suddenly old. Uh, that were Muppets doing kind of like different various internet things online. And a lot of them would end with Statler and Waldorf commenting on them. And of course, it was always a great little button of Statler and Waldorf doing what they do. Uh, so yes, I can't imagine them being mean on the internet because they have been. <laughs> now is the time of the show where we ask that question, does this stay in the Hall of Memory or is it worth visiting today? Now, this movie we've been gushing over uh, this whole time, I'm sure we're going to have very harsh things to say here right at the end. So Amy, why don't you go ahead and just tear this movie a new one? So I will say that this is not my favorite Muppet movie, mm. but I because the 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 Muppet movie holds so much in my heart and I quote it all of the time. Um, but I love this movie, and after you know, and thirty years later, I still know every word of every song and ninety percent of the dialogue. And I think because a lot of people um have, could have missed this. I think this is absolutely worth watching. Hmm. Nick, what do you think? Oh, disgusting, awful, filth. No, um, I felt when watching it, uh, the, the overriding feeling I had was, you know what? If or when I have kids, like, I want to introduce them to the Muppets. Like, it just, it is something that I think I, 
I just felt very pleasant almost while watching it. And that's a feeling that I would love to pass on to my progeny. Yeah, it's the Muppets. There was so many times this movie that I laughed and uh, I wasn't laughing in any sort of way of like, oh boy, it's I can't believe they tried that. This is real bad. I was laughing genuinely at the jokes. They're still funny. They're still great. It still has all of the charm. It's not my favorite Muppet movie either, but it's one that I would watch any day of the week because it's still so enjoyable. And especially uh, in, a, in a time like 2020, in the year we've all been having, something like this, I think, is needed. So I will not only say to people, this is worth watching now, go watch it. Go watch a, a movie like this that is so charming and funny. And, of course, let us know what you think, listener. Did we get it wrong? Is The Great Muppet Caper the worst Muppet movie and we should never speak of it again? You can let us know. Go to hitmeonemoretime.com and find all the ways to contact us there. Or just tell us your thoughts on the movie if you enjoyed, if you have good memories of it as well. We love hearing from you. It's one of our favorite things. And we also love it, too, if you take a moment to go and uh, review and rate us on your podcatcher of choice. It helps a lot. We would really, really appreciate it. Now, uh, as we are on our way out, I want to give a big thanks to Amy for being here. Well, thank you for having me. And where can people find you should you wish to be found? Uh, I am everywhere on the internet as Daniora, D-A-N-I-O-R-A, places like Twitter, Instagram, that sort of thing. Um, if you want to listen to my show, Aquilo, it is available wherever you get your fine podcasts or at aquilo.com. That's A-C-H-E-W-I-L-L-O-W. Yes, people should. I was late to the Aquilo game and listening to it recently and enjoying it so very much. If you are into the idea of cozy horror, you should be listening to it. Nick, thank you for being here. Thank you, David. Happy as always. Where can people find you should you wish to be found? Uh, they can find me at 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 <laughs> Nick Shermooksness on Twitter, S-E-R-M-U-K-S-N-I-S, and my social security number. <laughs> uh, and you can also find me on Instagram at at palblamshazam underscore art. Uh, again, there's still no art up there, but I imagine at some point there will be. Check back in 10 years. Yeah, just it's the anticipation of it that makes it worth subscribing. I'm building it up. I'm building it up. Yeah, you'll get there. And I think you should share some stuff on there. Let people see what you're working on. If people want to know what I'm working on, you can find me at Twitter, at Twitter, on Twitter, at Davluz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z, Find out all the stuff I am up to there. And I want to thank you, listening audience, for being here with us today. We do it for you. Couldn't do it without you. And remember, you can't move forward if you're always looking back. We'll see you next time. Hey!